What's going on, Trophy Kids? It is the college football episode week five betting preview. As always, I am your host, Nate, and whew, we've gotten off to a great start this college football season. Hopefully, you've been along for the ride. We're about 70% right now in our picks. Um, that isn't going to hold up the entire season, but I'm, I'm glad that's where we are right now. We had a great week uh, last couple weeks. I mean, last week, four and one, four and one card. Fantastic. Had an awesome slate of games. We've got a pretty decent slate this week. Not as good as last week, but a pretty decent slate this week. There's some definitely some challenges within these numbers here, but we're going to go through, break down some of the biggest games, um, hopefully give you an edge to go ahead and attack this betting board. I do have some bets, but as always, we'll give out some here. We'll give out some more on our social media pages, so make sure you're following at Trophy Kids Pod. Um, you're going to get the numbers today um, and then some numbers that that might change on, on Saturday. So as always, make sure you're subscribed. NFL podcast is out already. That's been an awesome one so far as well. Um, really good content in there. Some good nuggets for you to attack the NFL board if you have any interest in it. But we're here to talk college football. So let's go ahead and do so. We're going to start off with a 330 slot game. Kansas versus Texas, a battle of the undefeateds right now. And this game is going to present some challenges for Kansas. But before we go into that, I think it's appropriate to talk about just how amazing Lance Leipold has done with this Kansas football program and really resurrecting them from the dead. Um, him and Andy, the offensive coordinator slash assistant head coach have done a fantastic job offensively too with this team. You know, this is a, a coaching staff that some of these bigger programs that are going to have some coaching vacancies should maybe consider looking into to see if they can pluck them away from Kansas because they have done a phenomenal job. Um, this though game is going to be a little tough. Um, from an offensive standpoint, Kansas has been electric. They returned a ton of players. Um, and more importantly, they returned Jalen Daniels, who's been a real kind of strike of lightning for this team. But this Texas defense presents a very large problem. Um, this is a defense that sort of does everything good. Sure, they let up a couple explosives on the back end, but this is a very well-rounded defense with not a ton of weak points. And the problem that I, I fear for Kansas here is on that interior of the line. The Kansas defensive line is going to get a great push against this interior Kansas offense. So there's a challenge here for Lance Leipold to sort of try to counteract that. I think we are going to need to see Jalen Daniels run a little bit more. They've been a little hesitant, um, I feel like, to really kind of get his legs going and make him that dual-threat quarterback that he is. Um, I think this is the game where they're going to kind of turn him loose a little bit, create that extra man advantage in the box. That makes this offense way more dynamic if they can do that. They're going to need to, I think. A lot more quick kind of passes get the ball out of his hands quickly. I don't think they're going to be able to establish the run game without Jalen Daniels running. Um, And so it, it's going to fall on them. You've sort of flipped the side of the ball in it feels like there's a really big advantage here for Texas. Um, this Texas offense is certainly not without its faults. We've seen the run game regress, I think, a little bit more than I had initially anticipated with B. John Robinson going to the NFL. Stark's offense, too, it clicks pretty well early. They, they've done a really good job of, of getting off the quick starts, but there are times where it looks a little chunky, a little disconnected. Um you're going up against a Kansas defense that has certainly improved from last year, but is not a world-class defense. They are very feast or famine in the back end of their secondary. 
they do kind of act as ball hawks back there and look to sort of jump routes and be overly aggressive, which against this Texas team, I don't know if you can really do. This Texas team on the wide outside is so talented. There are so many dudes out there. And with Quentin Ewers kind of removing the turnover aspect of his game, he has been incredibly good with the ball. I think I saw something today that it was like only one turnover-worthy throw so far this season, which is incredible when you think of Quentin Ewers, the quarterback we've seen and gotten accustomed to him, especially last year. Um, he's done a great job protecting the football. That's been huge for this Texas offense moving forward. Um, and I, I think this is a spot where they get off to a quick start. I don't think, you know, some people might be talking about how this, they might be in a look ahead spot here and could get caught. And while there is certainly always that aspect with college football, you know, Stark has been pretty vocal this week about that 2021 loss to Kansas and how that stung. And I, I think that they are very much focused on the task here. I sort of like Kansas and or not Kansas. I sort of like Texas cover the first quarter number, cover the first half, really maybe the team total. I'm not entirely sure if I'm going to pull the trigger on yet. That's still up for debate because it's a little high at 38 and a half, but that might be something to, to look at. Uh, Xavier Worthy's overs on his receiving props might be something to, to look at, but I do think I'll, I'll pull the trigger at least on, on Texas first half and first quarter uh, on this game. I think they'll get out to a really fast start. I, I think Kansas is going to need a second to kind of get its legs under them um, offensively and, and really kind of broke and pod this, this defense. Um, so that's kind of where, where we're at with that big noon kickoff. One of the dumbest things out there is to schedule USC Colorado at what, like nine 30 in the morning, their time. Absolutely stupid. Um, you've got this team coming in. Colorado got actually smacked last weekend. We talked about in the recap, we talked about it leading up, you know, rent was due and they didn't have the money to pay. Like it, it, they couldn't pay the bill, um, against that Oregon team. That wasn't the most surprising thing in the world. This team is undersized, um, especially in the trenches, both defensive offensive lines get bullied around down there. They really rely on their skill players. Um, and while Travis Hunter is not worth that much to the spread, he is worth, you know, a decent amount of points because of his impact playing both ways. The paper thinness of this team from a depth standpoint, Dion's going to get it moving in the right direction. We talk, I feel like we talk about this every week. People are probably tired of me saying this. The, the hate isn't so much on Dion. It's about the media hype around this Colorado team and making them out to be something that they're not. Um, this is an okay football team. They are propped up by an NFL prospect in Shador Sanders at quarterback, who is really good. Um, but it this is a spot for Colorado where I do think they're going to match up just a slight bit better. Um, USC's defense, it's a work in progress for sure. This is, you know, the Alex Grinch system. He takes a lot of shellacking in, in the media and with fans. Um, but we've always seen the defenses get better and better year in, year out. He's got more talent on the US, USC side of things. Um, this is going to be a test for them. Let's see what this USC defense looks like at this point. Um, offensively, USC is going to do whatever they want. I don't really have a whole lot of faith that Colorado is going to do be able to do anything to stop this USC offense. The only thing stopping this USC offense is USC itself. Um, this this team's going to get what they want. It, it's going to be a pretty bad thrashing offensively. 
we've seen this number come down. It opened up at 27 and a half. That was really high, um, especially when you look at the matchup and, and the idea that Colorado should be able to manufacture some points here. It's now dropped down to 21 and a half, similar to where the Oregon game was. I feel like that's sort of realistic. Um, this is this is the thing that I, I talked about in the, the preseason breakdown for Colorado. They're going to deal with a lot of failure this season. They, they're going to deal with a lot of success as well. Um, they're going to beat up on the bad teams and the okay teams in the Pac-12. They're probably going to get beat up on by the better teams in the Pac-12. How do they handle that kind of back-and-forth success and failure is going to be super interesting and sort of keeping it in, in the back of our minds for future seasons around how this coaching staff adjusts, how they 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 change their game plan week to week. That's what this game is really going to be about watching, I think, from a Colorado standpoint. You know, what is this coaching staff made of and what can they bring to the table week in and week out to make the adjustments that are are needed? Um, so I haven't done anything directly with that number yet. We'll see. Um we may play a USC team total because, like I said, I, I think they're going to pretty much get whatever they want in this game. There's not going to be much resistance from a defensive standpoint, um, but we'll we'll take a deeper look into that. Uh, that might be a pick we give out on, on the social media side of things. Florida's headed to Kentucky. That line has moved down to one and a half. Kentucky is the favorite over under 44 and a half. This is a very interesting matchup. Um there's a lot of question marks heading into this for me. Question mark number one, can Kentucky's offense be consistent and not rely so much on explosive plays? You know, you're dealing with an injury in the quarterback position that has sort of put a lower ceiling on their offense abilities. You know, that torn peck at the end of last season was something that was certainly a little worrisome. Um, it's, it's why, you know, Kentucky football was in the running um, this offseason to get Devin Leary. His performance has been underwhelming so far. I, I wonder sort of how much that torn right peck he suffered towards the end of last season is affecting him at this point in time. I think it's it's pretty significant um, to their explosiveness as an offense. This is going to be really interesting. Stoop has got his work cut out for him because I, I do think this Florida defense is very good. Um, this is a very solid team. They've had some some good competition mile markers so far. You get the big win against Tennessee, which we called for in this podcast, and the regression of, of Tennessee football. Kentucky defensively, you know, the back end is is really good, I think. It's more that front seven I'm I'm concerned about. You know, what do they what can they do from a push standpoint to make Grand Mertz uncomfortable to uh, kind of shorten up this run game? Billy Napier's done a really good job of identifying that they need to get the ball out of Grand Mertz's hands quickly. He's got one of the fastest release times in college football this season. They are running a lot of short stuff, uh, making sure that he's not having to sit back there a lot and, and, and process a ton of things and, and facing that pressure. That's going to be vitally important here um, against this Kentucky team um, to get quick throws out. I think Kentucky or Florida was definitely the side at three at one and a half. I, I think at that point, your best bet is probably to take the money line on Florida. If you want to bet Florida, um, I, I liked them a lot at, at three. 
I sort of wish I'd bet the number then. Um, I was hesitant about it early in the week, hadn't gotten to the game prep wise, missed out on the number. Um, right now, I haven't invested a, a cent into that game, um, but that's a really tough challenge for Mark Stoops and this Kentucky team. It, it's hard to gauge the Kentucky team too, because they just, they haven't really had a test and the teams they've played. I, I thought from an offensive standpoint, they'd be a little better to be honest, a little bit more on, on their, on their, their game. Um, but this is, this is a great test for them. Um, let's see what it looks like moving forward. It's going to give us a great measuring stick on how to bet this Kentucky team, how to further bet this Florida team moving on this season. Like I said, Good defense. Let's see if the offense can still progress uh, and move on from there. All right. Next game on our board. We are looking at LSU Old Miss minus two and a half. LSU comes in as the favorite to Old Miss over under is set at 67 and a half. Whew. Lane Kiffin's got his work cut out for him this week. One of the prevailing problems in the SEC is quarterback play. We've seen um, that the conference is having a down year, to say the least. And that is because parity is coming much bigger factor in college football this season. As we see the expansion of NIL, the transfer portal, college football playoff expansion down the road here. We're going to continue to see more parity across the sport as a whole. The death grip that the SEC has sort of had on this on the college football landscape is sort of dissipating a little bit. And we're seeing that here with Old Miss. Dart has been, he hasn't developed the way I think a lot of people were hoping he was going to develop, mainly Lane Kiffin. Um, the offense is Lane Kiffin's forte here. In order to beat this LSU team, you're going to have to be able to push the ball down the field. LSU is the weakest in the back end. It's why they went out and they hit the transfer portal hard for secondary help. I think they brought in five total new guys this offseason, four or five. I can't remember the exact number. I'm pretty sure it's five. Um, but they that, that was the place they were the most aggressive in the transfer portal because they identified that as an area that was, was weak for them. It's undersized a little bit. The problem is old misses wide receivers are a little undersized. I'm not entirely confident in the push that the Old Miss offense is going to be able to get against this LSU front. Um, this is a defense that is really start or to come along for LSU. So I worry about that. They're going to have to use darts legs. They're going to have to make him the extra man advantage here. Um, he's been their most successful runner so far. If you can't establish a run against this LSU team, to make them commit more resources to defending the rush, leaving their back end more exposed. I don't know if I see a path for this old Miss team to be super successful. And when you flip the ball, Brian Kelly saw Pete Golden's defense last year at Alabama, more talented defense, and they had success against that defense. Now you're getting him at a second time around. Pete Golden's a great defensive coordinator. But he's got less talent on this old Miss team. JT Daniels has progressed in his career. He's put on a little bit more weight to make him more durable in the run game. He's not falling apart at the seams when things go poorly. Um, he's able to kind of get himself back in a rhythm. We've seen when things don't go their way offensively, he doesn't, you know, just blow up on himself. And this LSU team has some weapons. 
Um, and so I do give the edge to LSU. I did bet them at two and a half. They are on my card. I think Old Miss is going to have a hard time here stopping this LSU team. Um, so yeah, they've made the card, uh, to say the least. Let's talk about the big night game, game day, headed down to Duke. Take a sip of my water there. Line is set at five and a half over under 52 and a half. Notre Dame comes into town to face this Duke football team who got a big win against Clemson earlier in the season. Here's the thing, folks. Here's the thing about Notre Dame. Coaching staff absolutely failed the kids last week. We've now talked about this in the recap, but it's worth talking a little bit more here in this spot because the coaching staff is really going to have to get these guys laser focused again. But the coaching staff was bad. The game plan was an odd one, I thought. I mean, last year you went into the horseshoe and you had Tyler Buckner as your quarterback, and he threw more times than Sam Hartman did last weekend against Ohio State. Make that make sense. Make it make sense that you ran the ball 61% of snaps, but you only had play action on about 11% of pass attempts. You remove the ball from Sam Hartman's hands late in the game and run it with a third-string running back on third and long at the end there to give the ball back to Ohio State? Like, what was the point of getting a guy like Sam Hartman if in the biggest game, in the biggest moment, you're not going to put the ball in his hands? And then Marcus Freeman collapses under pressure when they really needed his defense to step up. Can't get 10 men on the field lined up right. You do drop the pick, which is unfortunate, but that's going to happen. You you give up a big conversion on third down at the end. You don't have a timeout because you called a timeout on a dropped pass, an incomplete pass that you could have used to get yourself right when it mattered most. The coaching staff failed this team. It was a heart. It was a, a rip your heart type out of game for Notre Dame. The biggest moment any of these kids have seen. It was a, a, a program-defining win. Marcus Freeman is, is definitely, I think, a better recruiter than Brian Kelly. He he understands the kids probably better in this era of football a little bit better, but from a game standpoint and a game planning standpoint, the coaching staff let him down. Now the question is, can they get them ready for Duke again? Can they get them refocused? Because if you can get a full effort out of this Notre Dame team after that really tough loss that they were even talking about still on Wednesday, which is a little concerning, this number is not correct. Notre Dame should be a much bigger favorite. But the problem is, this is college football. We see it all the time in college football. What Notre Dame team are you going to get after that loss? Are you going to get a team that comes out full effort saying, you know what, we're going to play our ass off to end this season. We still got USC coming down the pipeline. We still got um, an opportunity to win some games late, beat a Clemson, make a run through the ACC schedule here, and hope that some things break our way? Or is this a team that that can't get really past that loss? Because we saw that last year. You know, lose a big game, Marshall comes in and beats them. Duke's a better team than Marshall was. You know, what effort are we going to get there? When we think about this Duke team, this is the best team Duke has faced as of recent. I mean, in, in this era of Duke football, there's not a team that really comes close to, to matching Notre Dame. Just doesn't. You know, Mike Elko has his his hands full in this one. Mike Elko is a great coach. He's going to have these guys ready. But he did sort of throw out, you know, a little, little foreshadowing that he's not sure if, if the team's ready for the bright lights here. 
Um, offensively, they're going to have to be dynamic. This is a, a Notre Dame defense that is really good. Uh, I mean, they put a thumping on Ohio State. In the uh, box score, Notre Dame sort of wins that game. Unfortunately, you got to win the game on the field. Um, this is a Duke team that let's see what they can do here because Notre Dame is coming in undermanned at wide receiver for an already struggling wide receiver room. You're going to see a lot more running, I think, from Estime. Probably some more two tight end sets, some heavier sets here. Can they play big boy football? Um, like I said, this all comes down to whether or not you think Notre Dame is going to give a full effort. If they're going to give a full effort here, this number should be bigger than than five. If they're going to be a little lethargic, Duke can Duke can get them. You know, I think a lot of people are going to point to the Clemson game for Duke. Clemson found themselves in Duke's within Duke's ten yard line three times and got zero points. That's not going to happen with this Notre Dame team if they can do that. Like Clemson was able to move the ball, they were they just weren't able to execute when the moment called on them in that game, and that's due to a, a down coaching staff at Clemson. You know, the players are not as elite as they used to be at Clemson. That's kind of where they're at. This is still a very good Notre Dame team. This is a top 10 Notre Dame team. Um, this is a Notre Dame team that had coaching not failed them, gets a career win, a program-defining win finally again. Let's see the effort they give. I'm, I'm not entirely sure of the effort they're going to give there. Um, that's... That's the million dollar question. That's what you you kind of gotta try to get right with yourself if you're gonna bet this game um, and go from there. Another game on the card: Utah, Oregon State, 9 p.m. Line is set at four. Over under 44 and a half. The million dollar question with this one is: Are we gonna see Cam rising? You know, that is the prevailing question. I don't think they're gonna let. That's gonna be a game time decision. The doctors got to okay it. There's no way they're going to announce that ahead of this game so that Oregon State has to um, prepare for both quarterbacks. If he does play, he's probably going to be a little rusty. And this is an Oregon State team that defensively, they're weak on the back end. I did not think they were as weak as they were. You know, you watch that Washington State game. Yeah, there were some incredible catches made by the Washington State team but the back end's a little weak. There are some opportunities to take advantage of here, them here, especially on the seam, seam routes. Um, if you are going not going to be able to push the ball down, down the field and really threaten this Oregon state team and make the Oregon state offense get out of its comfort zone, this is going to be a really tough game for Utah to win. Defensively. This is a pretty good Utah defense. How good are they? There've been some opportunities. You roll back the tape on the, that Utah team or that Utah game against UCLA. My brain just went kaput there for a second. UCLA last week, Utah. UCLA had some opportunities, just missed some throws. And that's a, a, a true freshman in his first really big road game in a, one of the toughest environments in college football. And he just missed some throws, but there were opportunities. Same thing in the Florida game. They were opportunities. Can DJ hit those opportunities? I think that becomes a yes if they're getting good run effort and can build off play action, there's going to be some opportunities for him to hit. He's got to hit those. But this is an offensive line that are maulers up front. We're big believers in Oregon State here. Our future bet on them to win the Pac-12 certainly took a hit. 
Um, we'll see what the Pac-12 looks like, though. It's it's probably going to cannibalize itself a little bit here this season once again. Team total over, I think, is still still very likely here for this Oregon State team. They got to get a big win here. I don't have full faith and confidence that this Utah team is really going to be able to stretch this Oregon State team and get them out of their zone and make them have to be, you know, one dimensionally one dimensional offense. Cause that's the way to, to beat this Oregon state team, putting them in and having them to have to air it out is how you beat this Oregon state team. If you allow them to run their normal offensive game plan, which is going to be more run heavy, which is going to build off play action from there, which is going to allow DJ to pick and choose his spots. That's not a recipe for success. You have to be able to push the ball down the field. That's what Washington state did. That's why they won that game among other reasons, but that was a, a, a big reason why if you can't do that. You're not going to have success against Oregon state. All right. That is pretty much the college slate as of right now. Um, I don't have anything else too much to talk about Michigan, Nebraska. That's a game to have circled as far as a watching standpoint to see what this Michigan team could look like against a Penn State, against an Ohio State. Nebraska has an awesome defensive front. Let's see how the offensive line handles that. Let's see if this Michigan offense can kind of get going against this Nebraska defense. Nebraska offensively doesn't really pose a threat. The Michigan defense should should handle them pretty pretty easily here. Um, but this is really a, a test to see where this Michigan offense is going later into the season. Georgia Bulldogs, they need to handle business against the down Auburn team. Hugh Freeze will eventually get it figured out down there. You know, whatever you think about him personally, off the field, on the field, he's a winning football coach. They got to get some more guys in that locker room. Peyton Thorne is, is probably not the guy to really take you very far. Georgia team needs to handle business here. I think they can they can cover that 14, but I haven't done anything with the number there. Um, there's a couple other games, you know, just keep an eye out for here. We're going to tweet out at Trevor Gets Pod on our social media. Hopefully that was some good information here for you to take some, some action on. Gave you some bets. Let's have another really strong week. We'll be back next week. Make sure to subscribe. We appreciate all your love and support and, and continuing to stick with us this football season. Hopefully we make you some money. And as always, peace.